Tasting your food represents the idea that things change. Ingredients will move their flavor profiles depending on the time of the year, the weather, the health of the soil that they grow in, and the health of the hands that grow them. So assuming that your fruits and vegetables will always remain the same is an insult to the truths that define us and our universe. My name is Leon, and this is Flavor Quest. In this week's episode, we discuss why tasting our food as we cook is the continual conversation with yourself and the eternal gods of sensation. I want you to look at your recipes like the frameworks of possibilities, just like the ladder that holds your DNA. To think like a chef, you must remember that change is forever imminent. So be the nature to your genetics and create the most successful environment for your tongue's knowledge to flourish. There's a Hindu ideology which speaks about holding a personal deity to your body, forming the idea that yourself is a depiction of the gods themselves. This idea expands the understanding that the macrocosm and microcosm of the universe holds immense relation. This relation is God. Before you eat, you must sacrifice your food to them and enjoy the fruits of their work and then fill yourself with them afterwards. Cherish this deity. In fact, give them a name and a face that you uphold and love. Give them food prepared with untainted hands, rich with healing spices, correctly prepared, and be conscious of what you feed them. They are you, and you are holy. The food that you eat allows you to live. And when you die, you become the food for another being to consume. We are food, and food is life. But not just life. Food is creation, food is preservation, and food is destruction. Studying how things are birthed, how they keep their flavors alive, and how the consequence in our choice is also a constant which can destroy us, is the study of it all. In the ancient Hindu scrolls entitled the Tatiriya Upanishad, there are a large collection of books, scrolls, and writings by countless nameless scholars who dedicated themselves to preserving knowledge and information. In these texts, there are many avenues in which you can learn from. Now, I'll focus on the text that depict why food represents the pillars of this temple. Here, the physical body is referred to as the food body, for it is produced by food, and it is the outermost layer of our five that we hold with us at all times. The remaining four bodies are the breath body, the mental body, the intelligence body, and the bliss body, which surround the innermost Atman or the divine self separate from our ego. There are also the teachings that everything in this world is fivefold. For instance, a sensory body, the one that receives the stimulus and the reactions of the universe, the physical one, the muscles, sinew, bones, and skins, the breath body, for your breath is the secret to connecting each layer just like salt does to your food. The energy body, 
of the fire, wind, sun, moon, and stars, and lastly, the space body, which holds the heavens, the earth, the poles, and aerial space as we know it. These bodies are all connected, and all bodies are all connected. So when we honor that truth and live for our expansion of love and peace, then we can feed the cosmos as a whole. It is said that all beings that exist on earth are being born of food. Therefore, they live by food. Again, ultimately, they go back to it and merge to become food once again. So, therefore, food is the eldest of all creatures. Whoa. Food is the eldest of all creatures. On that basis, food is called the medicine of all. So I eat now not thinking just about flavor, but I taste food to see what my body's desire. Tasting your food connects these different layers plastered upon your soul. So it is our ethical duty to create food that heals our brothers and nourishes our sisters. Now I am just arriving back into my temple. After stepping through a gateway that led me down a long path, and which left me with an incredible bounty of information to share. I stepped through a food culture gateway with my time and my skills as my sacrifice, and in short, my friends, I was engulfed by the gateway's power. On my own personal flavor quest that has been unfolding behind this story, I encountered a traveler that asked me if I could teach him how to think like a chef how to teach him how to think like a master of reactions and to control the flames growing before him. His passion and inquiry blew air under my coals, the same coals that I brought with me from my personal hearth, and the same ones that I've fed for many, many years. Now, I must tell you, my friends, that this moment has repeated itself time and time again in my journey, but it's been a long while since the last. So when the moment played out again in front of my eyes like a deja vu birthday cake, I realized to my pleasure that the doorways that I had stepped through before were being swung wide open once again. When the traveler asked me to help connect their ideas and to show them how to use the tools correctly, I realized that I, in that moment, had an opportunity to become the seasoning that bridged the flavor meridians before me. Time melted away in the gateway. We worked day and night to test and train until we had developed a menu for their small kitchen. The traveler came to the training with quick hands and a desire to learn. So he brought his own sacrifice to the gateway. So when I showed up with mine, we were able to exchange knowledge and create a time warp between us. The traveler had the flavors in his mind but he didn't know how to taste his creations properly. When he cooked, he didn't taste what was being formed by his own two hands. So I showed him what to look for when he probed at his creations. And he listened to my words, what to think and what to pay attention to. And quickly, he learned the language of flavor. Day and night we worked. Day and night we trained. 
for the dojo traveled with us in every moment that we spent together. The importance of order and the order of importance upon the flame became known. The traveler learned how to respect the flame, for as he burned his oil, overcooked his dishes, I didn't allow him to serve what he made. At first he was frustrated and threw his tools, but the flame teaches consequence, and I was merely the catalyst for the lessons. After he grew a deep appreciation for the power that she held, he watched my hands, and we created a chain of learning from my ancestors, my teachers, and the gurus along my own journey, now to his. So I rewarded his learning, and I stoked his coals with positivity until his seasoning decisions and choices on flavor combinations mirrored the ones that I would have made myself. So in these moments, as I look forward in the gateway, I saw a reflection before me, shining, staring back into my own eyes. We studied salting, sweetening, souring, spicing, flavoring, and then balancing one to the other. I saw my teachings embodied before me, in the hands of an eager chef, and in the eyes that reminded me of my own. On the final night, we made a delicious tomato sauce from scratch, spiced with Central American bay leaves, cloves, allspice, local black pepper, and the native cinnamon to this land, called canela. Its spice is sweet and pungent in shades specific to this earth. The traveler passed the test as he caramelized his onions and the jalapenos, but decided to add garlic and double his spices and herb quantities, creating stronger medicine and a healing flavor in his food. The traveler actually left out a handful of ingredients as his recipe book was left at home, but I looked him in the eyes and told him he must improvise and use his tongue to create the sauce that we made before. And something brand new was created. And so it was made. Another gateway inside the existing gateway we had both created. The traveler brought his effort and pride to sacrifice in this moment. And he was rewarded, not by my hands, but by my will for his next tool came directly from the flavor gods themselves. It was thrusted out from the rippling gateway. The spoon of improvisation. It can be dipped into any sauce, used to remove just the perfect amount, just large enough to taste every molecule and every flavor element imparted within the intentional cooking process. I watched the spoon appear before him, and I watched him take it from my hand and the hands of the ones before me. He used the spoon in that moment to taste the sauce. So he added more vegetables, different sugars, multiple types of vinegars, all to create a complex balance on his tongue. Flavor synesthesia. He passed the test when he seasoned the sauce to perfection. He spoke to his senses and spoke to all of the layers of his existence, asking them if they had had enough of each presence. 
So his senses spoke through emotions, and the emotions spoke through his voice. He looked at me and proclaimed that it was ready, but I already knew that it was perfect. I landed back on the floor of my own temple of flavor, with my spoon of improvisation now stained black, like carbon night, and inscribed with the symbols from the stones that built the gateways. I ask you to look in your own hands now. Uncover your fingers and unball your fists. Your spoon is waiting for you. With it, you can learn to communicate with your tongue and to unlock the secrets of the universe that we hold in our mouths and on our palates. Please, use it wisely. And remember that change is imminent. We'll be using this spoon to communicate with the flavor gods in each temple that we visit. So tune in next week as we venture to the temples that hold the secrets to everlasting health and infinite spice possibilities. Get ready, chef. Your toolkit is getting heavy. And I think it's time to start cooking. My name is Leon. And this... Is flavor quest. Before we end, I leave a small story with you about young Lord Krishna and his love for butter. Krishna was a rascal child and a trickster, and one that couldn't keep his hands away from the jars of milk and the butter in his household. So one day, Young Krishna was sitting in a tree after ransacking the kitchen once again, and his mother stormed over to his side, asking young Krishna if he had eaten the butter from the kitchen. But with a full mouth, young Krishna replies that he had not done such a thing. His mother demanded for him to open his mouth and show her the truth. He replied very sternly that he didn't think that was a good idea, at all. But his mother persisted, and so he did as he was asked. When young Krishna opened his mouth, his mother peered inside, and her astonishment laid the entire universe resting on his tongue.